Hello, and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I'm the Communications and Engagement Director at Fresh Energy, and I'm joined today by our entire energy access and equity team. And I should mention, the reason I have everyone here today is because the team is undergoing an evolution, what I've lovingly been calling Energy Access and Equity 2.0. But before we go into those details, I want to welcome our guests. Ben Passer, Outgoing Lead Director of Energy Access and Equity, Anjali Baines, incoming lead director, Janice Watts, Fresh Energy's new director of culture and partnerships, and Mari Ojeda, who is still a fresh face on the team, having come to Fresh Energy just this spring. Welcome to you all. Hey, Joe. Hey, everyone. Thanks. All right. Well, those who know Fresh Energy know that equity is a central pillar of our mission and a priority across the organization. Our energy access and equity department is where the organization and the staff with me today focus specifically on policies and programs that reduce the energy burden on under-resourced communities, increase opportunities for and access to clean energy jobs, and ensure our policy-based solutions and fresh energy operations are equitable in both process and outcome. So... We are about to witness a proverbial passing of the baton as Ben Passer, lead director and founder of Energy Access and Equity Program here, transitions away from Fresh Energy into a new role as Senior Program Officer for Midwest Climate and Energy at the McKnight Foundation in early September. So I speak for everyone at Fresh Energy when I say that we all wish Ben the very best, and I cannot emphasize enough how this move to McKnight is a monumental win for all organizations working in clean energy and climate justice throughout all of the Midwest. So I've gathered Ben, Mari, Janice, and Anjali together today to talk about energy access and equity and not to put them on the spot or anything, but what their hopes, dreams, and expectations are for the next iteration of the program, three years after its founding. But first, let's go back to t- in time to 2018. Ben, what were you thinking when you were approached by the leadership at Fresh Energy to start and lead the Energy Access and Equity Program? Thanks, Joe. Um, so I'm Ben Passer, outgoing lead director of energy access and equity. Um, I use he, him, his pronouns. And um, I'll just start by saying I hope this metaphor isn't too cheesy, but I like to think of the energy access and equity program at Fresh Energy as a fruit bearing tree. Um, the program, as we know it today, has had a few years to mature, and I'd like to think that it's now bearing fruit. Um, But the seeds of this work were planted even before we started the program in 2018, with folks like a former Fresh Energy colleague of ours, Shantara Hardy, who led related work during her time here, um, with areas of our work like our Minnesota Multifamily Affordable Housing Energy Network, which is an absolute mouthful to say, so we lovingly refer to it as Mama Hen, um, and that growing to broader issues of affordability and access. Um, with relationship building, especially with organizations and groups that we haven't always done a great job of collaborating and partnering with in the past. All of those pieces are part of our history and part of our journey. They're part of Fresh Energy's story. So when we decided to start the Energy Access and Equity Program in 2018, I thought that it was naturally building upon the work and relationships in which we had already begun to invest. We had planted the seed, We had watered and nurtured it, and the start of the program was the moment when the seedling began to sprout. But my wife is a gardener, and as she would tell you, there is still a lot of work to do after that seedling sprouts. So while I was excited, I also knew that we had a lot of work ahead of us to keep building regenerative relationships, as my colleague Metric Giles of Community Stabilization Project would say to build out Fresh Energy's internal diversity, equity, and inclusion work, since I had never led DEI work before, and to keep thinking critically and intentionally, most of all, intentionally, about our policy work to ensure that we were centering equity in everything that we do. The reason I felt so strongly about building out this program 
and carrying out this work every day is because as an organization with power and privilege, we have not just an opportunity, but an obligation to transform policymaking for the better and ensure that under-resourced and marginalized people benefit from this massive clean energy transition. Too often, policymaking, intentionally or not, has harmed under-resourced and marginalized folks or left them behind. We have to do our part to stop that cycle, to advance equity and reduce disparities, and that takes intentionality in every aspect of what we do. So when we started the program in 2018, I knew that we were building on patient, steady work that we had done so far. We had already planted the seed and seen it start to grow. But I also knew that we would need to continue to take care of it and help it. And of course, that comes with mistakes. Sometimes you forget to water or a young plant is damaged. And we've had our fair share of missteps too. We can always think about how to better work with new partners, show up in different ways, and that takes time. But I think that we've continued to learn and grow, and we're now seeing the fruit in the energy access and equity program that we have today. Awesome, thank you, Ben. Let's turn to Mari, Janice, and Anjali. Um, I think all three of you are new to the podcast, so some introductions are in order. I'm hoping each of you can share a bit about yourselves and your role or your new role on the energy access and equity team, as well as a bit about your experience on the team up to this point. But first, I want to add that my pronouns are she, her, Joe Olson, she, her, Janice, take it away. Sure. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Janice Watts, she, her pronouns. I have been with Fresh Energy since August of 2018 uh, when I joined Ben on the EAE team as a policy associate, Ben. Um, and I focus my work on the internal organizational culture of elevating social equity and environmental justice in energy policy that Fresh Energy works to shape and the external work of building meaningful relationships with partners, both organizations and individuals within the environmental justice movement. So I've been an organizer and an advocate for environmental justice, racial and gender justice for my whole career. Um, I really like to call this my life's work. Um, and I've been pushing on the message and the purpose that the way we as humanity survive and solve the climate crisis is only if we dismantle white supremacy and oppression of people and the planet. Um, so that's what I'm here to do. And with my new role of director of culture and partnerships, I will continue to center the voices and ideas of black and indigenous and people of color, people from underserved communities. And because for it is us that bear the highest burden of climate change. And my mission is to amplify all of our voices as worthy of being heard. So I'm just really so grateful and excited that this work is recognized by Fresh Energy as valuable and significant um, because I've had a lot of jobs. <laughs> I've worked in a lot of places, certainly around like the environmental movement and not everywhere uh, I've worked has really understood this as being like central to the mission of solving the climate crisis. And uh, Ben, I really love your analogy of the fruit bearing tree because I'm a gardener too. So like I picked up on that immediately and uh, you can really tell that the, the only way that a tree is going to grow and really be as strong and as productive as you want it to be is if you give it that attention and the resources that it needs. So uh, that's why this it's really so exciting that our program is building and, and deepening and expanding the way that it is. So yeah, it's kind of like been my my mission and my life's work to deepen um, really my conviction in this work um, because we're all experiencing the consequences of climate chaos, knowing that these impacts are exacerbated by racism, by oppression, by inequality, and by power or lack thereof of power. So getting to talk about these things here with all of you, all of my colleagues at Fresh Energy, again, getting to build out spaces inside Fresh Energy that have become real staples for us to have these conversations and share ideas and like map out plans of action of like what and how equity and environmental justice is energy policy. Uh, so that's really so excited to continue that work and to uh, deepen it and to be able to do that work with Anjali and Mari. And 
um, know that in these this three years later <laughs> that it's been, uh, that we've been here doing this, that we have a very, I think a really good tree, <laughs> a solid tree, and it's giving us some, some pretty good fruit right now. So yeah, thank you. But we're, we're well on our way and we have a long way to go, but um, thank goodness we're gonna have some more, some more tools and some more, more people in the garden to help do this work. Thank you, Janice. Yeah. Mari, do you wanna go next? Sure, thanks, Joe. Um, so my name is Mari Ojeda. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I was born and raised in the Twin Cities and I have a background in environmental justice, um, green sustainable building practices and affordable housing. I most recently came from the affordable housing sector and really saw the intersections of environmental justice and housing justice um, highlighted within my work and just wanted to do more in that realm. And so um, been at Fresh Energy since February, a little bit over six months. Um, so I am new fruit that is bearing at Fresh Energy. Um, we're going to keep going with the analogy there. Um, so I'm really excited to be here. Um, and I totally echo Janice's sentiments. Uh, that's really what excited me to work here at Fresh Energy is to know the deep commitment to anti-racism and environmental justice that not only the energy access and equity team brings, but the entire organization. And so um, I'm really excited to be a part of this team. And like Janice said, dismantle white supremacy within our, our work here at Fresh Energy. Um, and part of my role is supporting our policy work and regulatory efforts um, within, within the organization. And also as Ben transitions out, I'll be expanding my role into the multifamily affordable housing area and energy efficiency. And so I'm really excited to dig deeper into that work as well. One little fun fact that I've been doing is uh, a project I've been working on is finishing up a research paper with some fresh energy partners. Um, I can't dig too much into the details, but I'm really excited to talk about that in the near future once the paper is published in the coming months. So thanks so much and happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Mari and Anjali. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. So my name is Anjali Baines, she, her pronouns, and as the incoming lead director, I'm actually the newest member of the energy access and equity team. I'm coming to this role from the energy transition team, though, another team at Fresh Energy, which focuses on decarbonizing end-use sectors like buildings and transportation, primarily through beneficial electrification. On that team, I'd been leading our electric transportation program, which had been my role since I first joined Fresh Energy almost two years ago, which is wild to say, that's pandemic time for you. But in that time, I've gone to work on a slew of electric transportation policies aimed at accelerating adoption of electric vehicles, supporting that adoption through charging infrastructure investments, and expanding access to these cleaner vehicles. As a result of that work, I've gotten to know both the legislative and regulatory spaces here in Minnesota much better. A particularly prominent policy I worked on um, in the energy transition team was Clean Cars Minnesota, which we've written about extensively and was a wonderful learning experience, both in terms of how to communicate the complex esoteric policies we at Fresh Energy have to work on, how to build a broad coalition to advocate and support it, and how to adapt when things don't quite go as planned. Helping to get that approved and finalized this summer was a major accomplishment. Another major piece of my past work was engaging at the Public Utilities Commission, or the PUC, on electric vehicle proposals from major electric utilities like Excel Energy. I think in my two years, I've been involved in about eight different electric vehicle proposals, all of which are important, but one of my favorite ones to work on was Excel Energy's multifamily electric vehicle charging pilot. That pilot, which was approved this spring, will install electric vehicle charging stations at multifamily housing units around the Twin Cities. The program provides both the funds and technical expertise to help property owners navigate the program and install the charging stations. Excel Energy's multifamily electric vehicle charging pilot actually fits in really well within the energy access and equity team priorities, since its goal is to expand access to home charging for residents of multifamily housing, a customer class that to date has not had the same access to home charging as single family home residents. The program also includes a carve-out for affordable housing units and provides additional funds for them to participate. I'm excited to continue to focus on and expand these equity-oriented elements of my electric transportation work in my new role 
in addition to continue the great work Ben has built up, especially in the regulatory space. And while I've been lucky to have worked with different members of the energy access and equity team already, whether through some of the internal committees Fresh Energy has or in coalition spaces, I'm really looking forward to collaborating more directly and deliberately and seeing where we can go as a team in this work. Gosh, and for so long, it felt like, Anjali, you and I were the newbies because we started at the same time. And again, I just can't believe it's been two years and we've got a bunch of new faces and and staff at Fresh Energy, including Mari. Um, So now I've heard from Fresh Energy's executive director, Michael Noble, that he often gets questions from folks at nonprofits around the country about our diversity, equity, and inclusion work, as well as the energy access and equity work that we're doing. Both have created really powerful models and people have been taking notice. And that's thanks to all of your efforts and the efforts of the whole Fresh Energy team. So what have you heard from other organizations and peers as far as their reactions to how Fresh Energy built this program? Is there anything about how the team works together or approaches Fresh Energy's policy and DEI work that you think contributes to the effectiveness of the team? Ben, let's let's start with you. Sure. Um, It's been great over the last few years to hear from different colleagues and organizations who have taken notice of of Fresh Energy's work, um, both inside and out. Um, a, A few folks have kindly shared with me that the Energy Access and Equity Program has inspired similar structures or approaches at their own organizations. And um, I've had conversations with organizational leaders about the capacity and resources that are necessary for this work to succeed and to be meaningful. I talked a little bit earlier about how when we started the Energy Access and Equity Program, I was thinking about the potential policy outcomes and the internal diversity, equity, and inclusion work. But I think something that I didn't realize at the time that I've since learned was how we were helping to shift the spaces that we work in and with. We've helped contribute to the conversation around the need to make equity and justice a priority, not an afterthought. And more and more organizations are joining that conversation by investing in those topics themselves. We know that we can't do this work alone. In fact, there are under-resourced groups and grassroots organizations who have been doing environmental justice and equity work for years, if not decades. But more importantly, we know that we're not always going to have the right answers. So it's important that different organizations from different sectors also lean into this equity and justice work together to make change. In terms of how we work together, I think trust has been a huge part of it. Fresh Energy placed a ton of trust in the development of the Energy Access and Equity Program, placed trust in me to create and develop and steer that work, and placed trust in Janice, Mari, and now Anjali to lead it as well. Organizational trust has been a big part of our success thus far. We also work closely together and communicate all the time, which is incredibly important both for our policy work to make sure we are thinking carefully and intentionally about the issues we're working on and our diversity, equity, inclusion work to have sometimes sensitive conversations and build a a welcoming and inclusive environment. The last thing I'll say here is that when folks ask me about our work and success in this area and how we've done it, I chalk it up to this. It takes both the internal and external work. And in my view, you can't have one without the other. The internal diversity, equity, and inclusion work helps inform our external policy work and vice versa. When the Energy Access and Equity Program launched in 2018 and I was asked to direct it, it was with that joint commitment from the very beginning to expand and deepen our work on equitable policies and to build out our DEI work. I'm glad that we had the foresight to build it out in that way. And I'm so thankful to my colleagues, including and especially Janice, who was my tag team partner in everything for two and a half years, Mari, who joined the team a little over six months ago and has helped raise our game in every single way, and Anjali, who will now carry this work even further and higher. I've said time and time again that these last few years wouldn't have been possible without all of us doing the work. And I'm deeply appreciative to everyone at Fresh Energy for that. Thank you to Michael Noble, Sarah Clark, Matt Crisettia, and all of our staff and board. We've all worked together in different ways, but the main takeaway is that we've all worked together. That's so well said. Thank you, Ben. Janice? Yeah, definitely well said. 
Um, yeah, I think I'm going to probably echo a lot of things that Ben just said. But one thing for me is the, yeah, the fact that uh, even though there were many efforts made to kind of lay the groundwork of equity at Fresh Energy, you know, Ben mentioned John Terry Hardy, absolutely a major force on that. Um, but the this kind of iteration of the energy access and equity team is headed up by both of us for these two and a half years before being joined by Mari, as was stated, which was just like so awesome and exciting to get you here. Um, but I think many organizations make the, I'm going to say choice, they make the choice to put DEI on the shoulders of one person. So, you know, like in the director or manager or even a consultant. And that one position doesn't have the partnership of a team to work through and, and a, let alone the support of the whole organization um, to take on the work. So a major factor of the progress we've been able to make is that Ben and I had each other, like you said, we were a tag team. And, but we also had the, the leadership and full staff, everyone's commitment and responsibility uh, and the space to really learn as we go in doing this work. Um, I admit readily and often, I hope often enough that like, I don't have all the answers <laughs> to this work. Like, I don't really know all the things it's going to take to dismantle white supremacy both within fresh energy and within the wider environmental community. But we all, like, I always feel like I have the space to explore and ask good questions of my colleagues and that there's a real earnestness from the whole team at Fresh Energy uh, and the willingness to engage with these questions. So I am definitely not saying that this is easy because it's not. It's in fact really, really hard and really trying uh, to talk about oppression all the time, especially as a black person, as an indigenous person, as a woman. Uh, and it sometimes feels like I'm jumping in without knowing where the bottom is. You know, you're just like, just gonna jump in and trust that you're gonna be okay. <laughs> and that's really hard for me to do because I like, don't like that at all. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for the support um, in terms of grace and space that's given to our whole team, but certainly to me personally, as, as, as I move through, it, move through doing this work. Um, so I really think that that's a huge part of the effectiveness of our team and the work we're doing here, um, because if you're an organization um, and you want to get into doing this work, I'm just going to say that you're setting yourself up to fail when DEI is taken as an initiative or a special project instead of it being part of a larger team or organizational goal. Um, it's got to be organizational wide and it has to have that commitment from everyone. Because if it's treated like the last bullet point on the task list, when you realize it's going to take a lot more effort and intention and action, uh, many people give up then and say, this is taking too much time or we have other things to do. And that's basically making excuses, making excuses instead of saying that this is hard and like too much for me to reckon with. And as people of color, elevating anti-racism in the workplace, there can often be an unfair expectation put on us to have all the answers and to move things forward faster than they do or faster than we want to. And I'm saying that that's unreasonable and ultimately why many DI programs and workplaces fail. So it's like set yourself up for success. And one of the really important things for that is like Ben, you're saying that trust and that space for everyone to learn and grow. And so I just want to make that clear. Uh, so to any organizations who are looking at Fresh Energy for advice or for measures and how we're doing our work, that energy access and equity is as highly regarded and prioritized as the policy making that we're doing. And that truthfully, it's not an either or. Like there, it's not, a, it's not an either or. You must do both simultaneously. And I think that because we have gotten to a point of operating on a basic agreement <laughs> that this is the work that we're like all much more capable of recognizing where we must take on these questions of equity and justice. And uh, of course, this is not an accomplished task <laughs> again, because it's not a that's not a bullet point on the task list. So it's not like something that you can just say we check we, we've done that so this work will forever keep evolving as the world reckons with injustice and we certainly have a long way to go but uh, we're on our way. <laughs> But start there, you know, start with that trust and that space uh, to, to be able to do this work, make mistakes and learn from them. 
Denise, I have to say, well, well, you were talking, I flashed back to my mm -hmm. first, my interview with Fresh Energy like two years ago, oh, and sure. uh, DEI was just such a, a big part of the conversation during multiple, the multiple interviews that I did. Um, you know, that was yeah. just so purposeful then. And at the time, I didn't realize the the purpose, like I said, that was behind mm. it. So um yeah, just a, a thought there as I flash back sure. to more uh, anxiety-ridden times, I guess, in, in the interviews. Uh, so Mari. Even uh, there, even there in the interviews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it totally showed, too. It was, I remember thinking, wow, this is clearly a, a huge mm. priority for the organization that, you know, they want to talk about. And I want to be part of that. That's awesome. All right, Mari, this isn't about me. Please. Uh, no. <laughs> Your, so your turn. Sharing, sharing your learning is so important and making space for that is super important. So thanks for sharing that, Joe. Um, yeah, and thanks for naming that, Janice and Ben, about uh, trust and uh, putting equity at the forefront and at the center of the work. Um, going into this role, I definitely was wondering, you know, how much work is this, you know, DEI going to be? Like, I have experience in internal DEI work and uh, it's hard. It's definitely hard. So I echo that, Janice, as well. Um, but being a part of this team and realizing that we're doing it together and we're sharing the workload and we're being vulnerable with each other, I think um, really has made it easier to like have those hard conversations and check in with each other um, and making that space to explore together. I think, Janice, you, you alluded to that. And it's so important. And the fact that we're so purposeful and intentional as an organization and on our team to, to make that space has just been uh, really refreshing and eye-opening and transformational. And so I just want to say like, thanks to the team and thanks to the organization for really keeping equity at the forefront and um, at the center of these conversations. Um, another kind of encouraging thing is just like that commitment that I that I mentioned earlier in our conversation is that going into this role, I saw like the commitment was everywhere in communications, like in the interviews, like you alluded to, Joe. Um, and so I knew that I was not going to shoulder this work on my own. And Janice, like I, I also identify as a BIPOC woman, a Black Indigenous person, people of color is the BIPOC acronym. And I was nervous at how taxing this work was going to be, but we really do work together on this journey and um, it, it really shows. And so I'm really appreciative of my teammates for that. And uh, Ben, you also talked about like the internal external work and needing both of those to, um, to make the work meaningful and to make change and um, improve you know, in our equity journey. And I totally agree, you know, if we're not working on ourselves internally first and reflecting on our journey, um, then it doesn't really make sense to, to look externally before we, we work on ourselves. So I wanted to echo that sentiment as well. Um, so a word that has been coming to mind as we talked about like our team and our program and our work on inequity is collaboration. Um, we, communicate regularly. We have regular team check-ins. We uh, do cross-team and cross-program check-ins as well. And so there's there's like constant regular opportunity to, to check in with each other about the equity work that we're doing and to highlight anything that may be missing in terms of equity and really challenging ourselves and our teammates to, to push forward in that work. Um, so I think, yeah, the constant communication is super important um, and then we also have monthly DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion meetings to share and discuss our journey together and any resources that we want to share with each other. I think those are really valuable. And um, yeah, like Jenny said, like making that space on a regular basis um, really allows for us to learn together and grow. And then the other teams, I would say, like within our check-ins are super proactive in approaching our team on anything that they might be missing in terms of equ equity related issues. And so that's been really encouraging to see is that, you know, it's not just our team infiltrating other teams to see, you know, what they're doing wrong in terms of not highlighting and, you know, or not centering equity at the, uh, at their, you know, in their work, but they are, we're prob problem solving together. And that's really exciting and encouraging is that we're all being proactive at centering equity. And so I would say like, it's definitely a shared effort and commitment that we all take on and we all 
have this load to bear. And so it makes it a lot easier to, to go along that journey. Thanks, Mari. Oh gosh, and speaking of cross-department uh, communications and check-ins, I need to update my outlook and, and get on your calendar regularly, Anjali, instead of Ben. Oh, mental note for me. Um, Anjali, do you wanna uh, weigh in here? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, as everyone has said, echoing everything that's said before me, I think especially that trust and collaboration and openness to discuss um, these issues has been really apparent even from my you know, first time joining Fresh Energy two years ago, Joe, as you mentioned, it was part of my interview process. And it's really clear that Fresh Energy was taking it seriously and respecting where everyone is at in their own journey as well. Um, you know, I'll admit coming into this space, I was coming from the private industry where it was a few years behind <laughs> the nonprofit world in Minnesota. So coming in and hearing even just different terms and a different way of thinking about these issues and then learning how to even just do policy advocacy with equity on you know, at the top of my mind, um, it required a lot of asking questions and listening. And I never felt that, you know, and at, at no point did I feel like I couldn't ask those questions and it wasn't met with respect and a willingness to share. So I think that true willingness to engage and reflect on our own culpabilities in this process, um, but accept it without derailing the progress and moving forward has been instrumental in fresh energy being able to do this work. And as I was thinking about why fresh energy has so much trust built in, I think it comes down to the fact that Fresh Energy also treats each of its staff as humans first, which I think is just at the center of even being able to do any of this work, just recognizing that humanity. And that was really apparent during both the pandemic and the racial reckonings, um, both very difficult times, but the staff uh, and the leadership really made it a point to listen and be attuned to how we as people were doing in this difficult time by checking in, by just letting us so, you know, take some time off or holding sessions for us to talk. And I think that was a really rare sort of leadership that I've definitely not got my very organizations and really just hits home at, as to the fact that Fresh Energy has that trust because it also sees us as the people and humans that make up an organization rather than just just workers doing the work. So, you know, I really want to thank Michael, our deputy director, Sarah, and especially our senior director of operations, Matt, and our office manager, Liz, for being there for us in the last 18 months, especially, and, and helping us be able to thrive throughout the time and support each other um, so we can even do this work in the first place. Thanks, Anjali, for, for calling that out. I think, too, um, in the podcast details, I'm going to include a link to one of Matt's blog posts about reimagining the new Fresh Energy office because he talks so much about like culture and staff, like culture outside of the walls, inside of the walls, et cetera. Um, so I'm going to link to that in the details for those listening. Um, a great read and you really get to know Matt through his words, um, which is kind of fun too, because I feel like operations directors don't get to, you know, talk quite like that. Uh, so it was great to have that insight from him to share on the blog. Um, so I think it's nice to occasionally pull back the curtain and let folks know how we approach our work here at Fresh Energy. Uh, ben, in your reflection blog post that we published, gosh, it must be three, four weeks back at this point, you pointed out that the work of energy access and equity is a journey. Do you want to talk a little bit about how, as the departing lead director, you have felt about the journey so far as the, you know, maybe master gardener to bring back the terminology we've been using here? Sure. Um, thanks, Joe. I, I, I will spare everyone um, and all of our listeners by not using the fruit bearing tree metaphor again. Um, but I, I think the most uh, important part about the word journey is that it implies movement or at least suggest that one is not standing still or remaining in one place. And I think that's true of Fresh Energy's energy access and equity work and our organizational commitments to diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism. Um, there's no destination or endpoint. Instead, the work is continuous. And in doing it, we have to commit to learning and growing as I talked about earlier. So as I prepare to depart Fresh Energy, I leave this role and this work with so much gratitude and appreciation for the journey that we've been on. As I mentioned earlier, it hasn't always been easy and we haven't always gotten it right, but that in itself is part of the journey. Mistakes and failures are an opportunity to improve, to think differently, to try again. 
And that is what makes this journey so beautiful and so fulfilling if you make the commitment to embark on it. As I look back on these six years with Fresh Energy, and especially the last three of the Energy Access and Equity program, it's impossible to choose a favorite memory. I think about how my portfolio grew over a few years, which eventually led to the creation of the program and bringing Janice on board, which then catalyzed and grew our work even more and allowed us to bring Mari on board. Those two moments, adding Janice and Mari to the team, are some of my favorite milestones on this journey because they demonstrate Fresh Energy's investment in this work and in two incredible, incredible people. I think about our monthly DEI committee meetings and the various Fresh Energy staff who have contributed so meaningfully in that space. The DEI, or Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committee, was where we developed Fresh Energy's public-facing commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, created internal systems like DEI-focused goal setting and a staff survey to better track and understand our own diversity, and, it, and also advanced other initiatives. This internal work helped lay the groundwork for a dedicated women trans men group where Fresh Energy staff explore and advance topics related to gender. I think about our program achievements over the years, increasing utility investments in energy efficiency programs serving under-resourced households and renters, working with XL Energy to develop income eligible incentives in its rooftop solar program, and collaborating with many different organizations and entities in different coalitions and tables, just to name a few. I think about our work together over the last year to re-examine and deepen our journey with our commitment to anti-racism. And I think about how we have shown that it's not just possible, but imperative to work on both equity and climate, not just one or the other. As I said in my reflection post, working on climate and working on equity is only an either or choice if we decide to make it so. It has been remarkable to be part of Fresh Energy's evolution over the last six years that I've been here. Equity and justice are now woven throughout our strategic framework, which is at the core of everything that we do. We've made some great progress on equitable energy policy, like the passage of the Energy Conservation and Optimization, or ECO Act earlier this year. And by continuing to invest in relationships and carrying on the external and internal work we've been doing, Fresh Energy is well positioned for even more successes on the path ahead. This work is a journey, and I'm grateful to have been a part of it. Ben, and we are grateful to have had you. Um, so I don't want to put anyone on the spot right now. I think I said I wouldn't do that earlier. So I'm not going to ask those typical what's next for the program type questions to make you all nervous, uh, in part because we already know the answer. What's next for the program is basically to continue to build on the crucial foundational work that you are all doing to ensure an equitable and just energy transition, which is one of Fresh Energy's key strategic imperatives that guides the entire organization's work. Uh, so for all of those of you who listening who want the nuts and bolts, of what's next stay tuned to our blog it'll all be posted there later in september specifically on that topic so hold your horses uh, instead let's close with hope and optimism knowing that there's no one be all end all answer could each of you say a little bit about your hopes and dreams for a just and equitable energy transition and what that looks like right here in minnesota anjali as the new lead director of the team let's start with you Thank you, Joe. Just to start off, I just want to say much of my reflection on this stems from the wonderful work and words of both Janice and Ben and many other leaders in the equity and climate justice space who, as Ben mentioned, have been working on this for much longer than I have. So thank you to all of them, first and foremost. Uh, the use of the word hope actually reminds me of something that the climate scientist and communicator Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson wrote about in the Washington Post last year, which is that hope by itself won't get us to where we want to go. We also have to have, quote, truth, courage, and solutions. I think in the last two years, we as an organization and more broadly as climate advocates in Minnesota have gotten better at using all three of those tools to build towards the future we want. But there is still a ways for us to go for us as well as others. And I'm looking forward to continuing to get better at centering equity in all the policy work we do and using those three tools Dr. Johnson mentioned, especially courage. Imagining a just and equitable energy transition in Minnesota will take courage to do things differently than how they've been done, especially in the venues of power we at Fresh Energy work in and have influence in, and which are both very technical and process-driven, 
and therefore inaccessible to most people. We'll also need courage and steady commitment to bring in more people to help create the solutions we need, especially the folks from the communities who are being and will be most impacted by climate change. I think many advocates in the space recognize these things, so I'm definitely not saying anything original here, but the hardest part is actually putting these ideas into practice and being able to step back from that constant state of urgency we find ourselves in often in this work and move a little bit slower and build these things uh, build these new way of doing things with new people and build the relationships to support that change. That's especially where the courage will be most needed. So a just and equitable energy transition in Minnesota will have courage, open dialogue, willingness to experience discomfort and work together to find solutions. As I mentioned, given Fresh Energy's experience and technical venues of power like the PUC, I'm looking forward to learning how to translate those venues to new partners to be able to bring in new partners or the general public and have them participate and share what they think the future should be. A just and equitable energy transition will have vibrant and diverse participation and collaboration where we are working towards a common goal and finding common ground to do so. It includes listening with humility, trying new things and stumbling and learning from those stumbles, like Ben said, and sharing them so others can learn from them as well. It includes seeing how things are connected and finding solutions that can solve multiple problems in multiple areas instead of just trying to change one thing at a time. That might seem abstract, but an example that's often mentioned nowadays uh, is supporting economic recovery from the pandemic by investing in climate jobs. So solving a few things um, rather than trying to tackle either of them separately. A Fresh Energy board member in a meeting recently also had a great example she mentioned how fewer cars or even buses might be needed if we made sure that neighborhoods had sufficient goods and services within them, like healthy grocery stores, pharmacies, work opportunities, et cetera. So by building those services in the neighborhoods, you could reduce carbon emissions um, while also increasing economic opportunities, access to healthy foods, et cetera. So those are some examples of what I mean by seeing the connections and leaning into them. That's a lot, so I will stop there. But final point what is, um, you know, as, as I step into this role with an intention of growing into it, I do want to learn from my team and partners, especially Janice and Mari and the community partnerships that they and Ben have really built. I definitely do not have all the answers, but I'm motivated to see how we can build that just and equitable energy transition together. Thank you, Anjali. Mari, would you like to go next? Sure, thank you. Um, Anjali, that was so well said and I want to reiterate and repeat what you were saying about like us not having all of the answers and working together to to grow in this work. Um, I loved what you said about like being courageous and also like making this work more accessible to folks that have been historically um, like denied access to to some of these sectors. Um, So yeah, I definitely want to repeat that like our work, we should make it more accessible and less intimidating to folks who've been historically marginalized in this work and translating it and bringing in new partners for sure. That was really well said. And um, yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, But I really, my first hope and dream is to perhaps ask Ben to stay on our EAE team. No, no, okay. All right, well, moving on. Um, So other things that I think uh, are some opportunities for Minnesota is that, um, first of all, acknowledgement of, you know, our history in our state. Uh, I think Minnesota has a lot of work to do in terms of acknowledging like our past harms and uh, our systemic and racial injustice that we've created. And so I think the first step that I'm really looking forward to is, you know, starting with humility and that shared understanding and shared education of just uh, acknowledging like how much work it's actually going to take um, and having mutual respect for each other and, you know, patience and grace for each other too. You know, we're going to get it wrong. As Ben said, um, we'll make mistakes and that's okay. As long as we stay committed to this work and, um, you know, lift each other up when, when they need to be lifted up. And um, my hope is that the past year is truly a lesson for us that we we'll never forget. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll work to right those wrongs of our history and heal our past harms. And I'm just so looking forward to the momentum that this work is gaining 
and deepening our relationships with each other within the organization, but also with our partners on the ground and expanding those partnerships um, and making it, like Anjali said, like more accessible to folks. And so, yeah, I'm really excited for the momentum and to just keep moving forward. Thank you, Mari. Janice, do you wanna take the reins now? Sure, yeah, thank you both for your answers. Um, yeah, I just, I, I always put environmental justice first. So what I wanna see and more of like what I wanna know is that those of us who have been suffering the most and contributing the least to the problem of the climate chaos have collective and social power to transform the system um, that has been built on exploitation of people and extraction of resources. So that's how we've gotten to the climate tipping point. And uh, I really loved what both, your, both you and Mari and Anjali are saying around courage. Um, so to Anjali, your point around courage and truth, I kind of want to pick up on the second one around truth. Um, I, I think often in context and specifically around history of social movements in the United States. So I, in this time, the way I'm kind of like dealing with it <laughs> this time that we're in this like critical crisis time, um, I've just been thinking a lot about history. And so we're living in a time of many defining crises right now, and it's compounded by the lack of truth and courage. And so when you look at other times of great transformation in this country, so think reconstruction after the civil war, civil rights movement and other liberation movements, there's always a period that comes directly after that time that's marked by lies and disillusion and really whitewashing of history. Uh, and which really wasn't really history at the time because it was very much the present. And I kind of feel like that's what we're dealing with right now. So my point is that we have been fighting the very real and known consequences of climate change. Like we've, we've known this for a long time. We've known like what we're heading towards um, for a long time, the impacts of climate change, but we're also fighting and with the impacts of denial and disillusionment and disinformation, right? And that very much sabotages so many of our great efforts towards solutions. So my hope is that truth and courage do prevail <laughs> alongside hope and action where marginalized people's power is fully recognized and followed. And I do believe that we are on our way there because we have so many incredible leaders and movements here in Minnesota doing the work of dismantling white supremacy and building a climate resilient future and present because we have to be doing this now, <laughs> right now. So I hope that we don't turn back and give into a narrative of despair and of fear. And so I am hopeful, even if it doesn't sound like it, because I sound really, really pessimistic right now, I know that, <laughs> but we have the roadmap. Um, I like, that's how I like to think of it, that our ancestors have left for us to carry forward and make better choices. Um, but I really do, I'm really kind of struggling right now with this lack of truth that, you know, I don't think surrounds us because I think we're people who, uh, you know, believe in science and are kind of living in reality, but, you know, it's really scary to know that there are a lot of people who aren't. And again, to think back to those like periods of history um, where unfortunately the narrative's taken over around that disinformation, the lies, and the and who gets written out of the story, um, that's kind of where I'm like, we can't let that happen this time. We just can't let that happen this time. But I'm really hopeful that we won't because we, again, have the lessons to look back on and, and, and to like be able to recognize it right now. So I'm really just hoping that, again, we make better choices, that we put respect for each other and the planet and ourselves first. Mari, Mari, you alluded to it, right? Like this work is about like us personally as much as it is professionally or in the kind of like wider environmental uh, community, uh, but it's also about ourselves. And um, yeah, you know, I just like, really just think we could give equity and fairness a try. Let's, let's just like give it a try, humanity. That's, that's my hope. Janice, I wish we could just end the podcast now because that's such a, a strong, uh, strong closing you had there. Um, but I think we need to hear from Ben as well. So Ben, do you want to finish up this kind of uh, conversation point for us? Yeah, well, well, Joe, I would say in terms of my hopes and dreams, it's everything that we just heard, um, not just what 
Anjali and Mari and Denise were saying, but who was saying it? Um, my hopes and dreams for an equitable and just energy transition in Minnesota and beyond are that we have talented people doing the work with passion and dedication and humility. And I think that's what we just heard. Um, so if I were to envision a just and equitable energy transition in Minnesota, it would look like this. Energy burdens or the amount of income that people pay toward their energy bills would be drastically reduced. Housing stock would be more efficient and everyone would have access to renewable energy and clean, affordable, reliable transportation and other needs. Communities of color would not be disproportionately exposed to air pollution and other environmental hazards. Minnesotans from under-resourced or marginalized communities would have access to good jobs in the energy sector. And communities that have been economically dependent on fossil fuels would, would thrive through economic development in other areas. And as the clean energy transition continues, emerging technologies would reach all households, regardless of income. My hopes and dreams can be summed up in a clean energy future that looks like that. And as Fresh Energy's energy access and equity work continues, this team is going to be a crucial part of making that future happen. Ah, Ben, excellent closing. Thank you. Uh, and thank you all for being here today for this conversation. I think this is the last time we'll all virtually be together under the Fresh Energy umbrella at a meeting. So virtual high fives and hugs as we say farewell. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Well, and I think I expressed to a few of you that, you know, Ben plays such a large role in our podcast. He's always a guest talking about the various uh, projects and policies that he's working on. And I have, after this conversation, I have absolute confidence in the three of you. And I know we'll be hearing from each of you a lot more on Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast. So thank you everyone listening for joining us. If you're hungry for more or want to get involved, visit fresh-energy.org. And while you're there, why don't you register and join us for our 2021 virtual benefit breakfast, which is right around the corner on October 14th. At the breakfast, we'll be welcoming award-winning climate tech entrepreneur, Danelle Baird, CEO of Brooklyn-based Block Power, for a fascinating discussion about how ambitious public policy can spur private markets toward a just carbon neutral future. And when you register, did you know that you can join a staff person's virtual table for the morning? I think everyone here on the podcast today is hosting a table. So just choose one of our names from the dropdown at the bottom of the online registration form. And speaking of the breakfast, I want to give a thank you and a shout out to some of our Benefit Breakfast sponsors. Thank you to our title sponsor, Parable Wealth Partners, and to our innovation and technology sponsor, Mortensen. Thank you also to Atomic Data, Evergreen Energy, District Energy St. Paul, Impact Power Solutions, Apex Clean Energy, Climate Generation, the Conley Family Foundation, Design 45, Minneapolis Foundation, Chuck and Candace Nadler, Old National Bank, and Sunrise Banks. And our listeners can support Fresh Energy's work by making a donation today. Visit our website at fresh-energy.org and click Donate in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.